Blog Talk Radio. And I Help for HD Live. Help for HD Live is brought to you by Help for HD International and is made possible by an education grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I am your host, Katie Jackson, and today uh, we have a very kind of special show. Um, we are going to talk about um, something that we have never addressed really before with the world we're living in. Um, we all know that the outbreak of COVID-19 Um, otherwise known as the coronavirus, uh, the world has had to change right in front of our eyes. We also know that a lot of the time it is very hard for our HD loved ones to experience change in a break of their routine. We decided to do this show with Terry Temkin, who who better to do this show than a longtime HD expert. Terry is an adult nurse practitioner who spent 18 years working on Huntington's disease uh, with Huntington's disease families at the University of California Davis Health Systems. During this time there, during her time there, she worked with an HD t- team to build one of the largest HD programs in the country, noted for their expertise in HD and JHD care. She also has participated in over 18 clinical trials in Huntington's disease. Although she is now retired, she did not retire from the passion to care for families coping with HD. She sits on numerous advisory boards and planning boards and committees for HD, and we are very lucky to have her sit on our executive board at Help for HD. So let's just dive straight into the show and start by talking, um, uh, start talking about behaviors in HD in a world in crisis. So hi, Terry. Thanks, thanks uh, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Katie, and thank you for making room on your show. Uh, I think this is important information that will be helpful to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. And you are coming in crystal clear, so that's awesome. We were having some trouble with the platform earlier, but it looks like we are back on track. So um, let's start by um, how do you explain to your loved one that they can no longer leave the house at all? Well, you know, Katie, that that kind of depends a little um, on where you are geographically right now and where they are in their HD journey. So, as you know, uh, as as we know, a lot of major cities have actually put people on actual quarantine. That's not necessarily true everywhere, but it could be. Before this is all said and done, it could be that many of the areas who are not under quarantine become so. So, um, and then... Remember to, so, you know, being quarantined uh, possibly can be challenging, not only for someone with Huntington's who 
as you mentioned, you know, changes uh, change can be difficult, but it's challenging for the care care partners as well, right? Um, and you know, challenging for a lot of people. So, and the other, I think the other factor that you have to think about is their the person with Huntington's their level of comprehension. So if you have somebody who's early in the disease and they're engaged socially and they're engaged, um, you know, kind of, you know, know what's happening in the world and, you know, watches the news and stuff, you would expect their response to be very typical of what your own would be, right? Um, if they're more, if they're progressed more with the disease and their comprehension isn't as good say they're they don't they're not aware of what's going on globally and have a hard time staying on task that's a little bit more challenging and then certainly somebody who's end stage whose uh, social abilities are greatly diminished they probably can't leave the house on their own so we're really talking about that middle group right um sure and it, it's you're just going to have to engage them like you would with any other type of safety measure. You know, I, I, I think they're going to mimic you. So remember their care partner, whether they <laughs> admit it or not, is probably the single most important in their, person in their life. And they're going to mm-hmm. mimic you. So we've got those factors going on. Then we also have factors. Are you able to stay home with your loved one or are you outside um, and have to go out to work if you are not someone who's able to work from home. So we all know from challenging behaviors, you know, when we talk about behavioral management and stuff in Huntington's, we all know that sometimes repetition is necessary. Reorienting mm-hmm. people is necessary. Sometimes, it, it, you know, confrontation never works. So you can't mm-hmm. just say, okay, you have to do this and then expect it's going to be compliance if it's somebody whose comprehension isn't as good as it once was. Um, I think, you know, I've thought about this, you know, since we decided to, you know, when we were talking, Katie, about doing the show. I I think this is a time, because this is stressful for everyone, that Mm -hmm. I think it's better if somebody is in those mid to late stages with Huntington's, that it's a challenging time for people you know, just out the gate, but probably shouldn't be alone. And so one of the things I think care partners can prepare for as we move forward with this, do you have, if you are someone who has to be outside of the home during the day, do you have a network, a safety network that someone can come in and help your loved one while you have to be away? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, we we kind of talked about um, talked about so many of uh, their routine. If a, if your care partner is working or they're out of the home and um, they're left alone, uh, they have a routine of their own during the day. You know, um, they may go for a walk. They may, you know, uh, Terry and I even talked about they may go to Starbucks because to get their cup of coffee, and so they have their own routine. Um, and to break that routine could be very hard on them. So having a care partner or a, um, a support system through the day, whether that's there with them, is probably very important at this time. That's right. That's right, because yeah. e- even those of us who don't have Huntington's, we're trying to navigate this barrage of new information every single day. This is changing mm-hmm. actively every single day. And so, 
you know, if you're a little bit challenged from your Huntington's, it's just harder to navigate this. And Katie, I'm glad you brought up the Starbucks, um, the, the Starbucks issue, you know, because we, you know, kind of talked about this too, that say like, you know, you work out, so you're a care partner and you work outside the home and one of your loved one is still capable of leaving the house. And one of their things is, is they walk down and, and, you know, to the local Starbucks and, you know, sit down, have a, have a latte or something and chat. I, I actually had several patients that when they could no mm-hmm. longer be in the workforce, that was a way of socialization for them. Sometimes it was a little sure. diner sometimes, but those activities for someone with HD who isn't in the workforce is actually a very important uh, socialization uh, maneuver for them. And, you know, we've always strongly encouraged that. Well, you can't do that now. So many restaurants have closed here in Washington state and the San Francisco Bay area did it as well. They closed all restaurants and bars, meaning you can go into a restaurant and pick up a takeout order but no one can sit in a restaurant. No one can sit in Starbucks. And um, right, right. you can pick it up. You can drive through, but you cannot sit there. And I, I think some people may think that's overreaction. And I, I like what Dr. Fauci said a couple of days ago. I'd rather be criticized for being overreactive than being criticized for not doing enough. So it, it, in it, however you, you personally fall on that spectrum, it doesn't matter because that's what it is. So now you're confronted as a care partner with someone who can't do that routine. And so I think it's thinking through, if you're that care partner, think through what those routine things are that you know bring comfort to that loved one that you may have to re-strategize. And so it's like, okay, you can still have your Starbucks, but you've got to bring it home. Or, you know, maybe you should, you know, telephone that group of guys that or group of women that you meet with on Tuesdays for breakfast at the diner you guys might have to you know uh, do telephone checks on each other so I would preemptively look as a care partner preemptively look at those things if you're in a geographic region that's getting more restrictive and quarantined um, what you can do to help them They'll participate a little in some of their ritual things that are important to them, but not expose Mm -hmm. them and not um, um, and and, and avoid a confrontation. Because you know, we with some people with Huntington's, we have to throw that irritability thing in, right? Some people uh, (laughs) don't navigate that stuff very well, right? And so you you certainly don't want to melt down in Starbucks because they can't sit down. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a very hard question. I love, um, how do we, and I don't even know what the answers to some of these would be, but you are, you are the person to answer, but how do we bring down anxiety and depression with our loved ones that are quarantined in a facility and their loved ones are now unable to go into the facility? You know, isn't that one of the saddest things? I mean, that, that is, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think we can all understand the need for that. So, I, you know, let's talk about that a minute. But I want to, I want to throw in um, something. You know, we, Katie and I did a little fact checking that um, there isn't anything about Huntington's disease that makes someone more susceptible. All right. So, given all the, it's not an autoimmune disorder. It's not, you know, certainly if they hit 
if they if the person with Huntington's has some of the other risk factors like diabetes, like hypertension, like heart disease, um, um, that put them, or they're 60 or over, that put them in the more higher risk, so they are higher risk because of those features. However, that being said, so there's nothing about Huntington's disease per se. However, if your loved one is more advanced in the disease and more sedentary and or has swallowing difficulties, getting an upper respiratory illness can put them at much higher risk because they can't manage their secretions as well. Think about the people who are facing this in the Huntington's community will know exactly what I'm saying. So um, in terms of passing on the virus or contracting the virus, the risk factors identified for everybody are the same for Huntington's. Huntington's doesn't make them more susceptible, but Huntington's mechanically, there are mechanical issues with, um, like I said, swallowing. And so if you've got someone in a nursing facility and they are, say, tube-fed um, or they have a lot of choking, they're not tube-fed and they, you know, the people try to help them as much as they can with oral eating, but they cough and choke, you know, th- they are considered a little bit more risk um, by virtue of being that um, that place in their disease journey. So um, there's no question. So that's mechanical stuff for, you know, just things to factor in and think about um, for folks who are living in, in facilities. And that's not only just nursing facilities, but board and care or assisted living or any congregate uh, living situation. So factor that the other thing is, is, being isolated, you know, one of the things that we know, these group living situations, they have to be there, right? They, people are more at risk um, because they can't isolate like we can in our own homes. So um, that can create additional fear and anxiety, no question. Especially if you are used to a routine of visitation and you, that routine is interrupted So I would encourage, you know, everybody's challenged by this, but I would encourage you to reach out to the administrative staff and the nurses at the facility who were overwhelmed already, right? Um, But um, see if you can creatively look at ways to keep in touch with your loved one. If you think that their anxiety or depression has gotten worse and requires medical intervention, you call your provider, because certainly these are times when those features may not stay stable and they may increase and they may need an adjustment in their medication. If they're not depressed or, you know, have anxiety and aren't treated for that, um, that, you know, don't be afraid to put calls into your treating providers to ask their recommendations on keeping, you know, mental health symptoms stable. You know, the other thing is if they have a phone and can use a phone, you can talk to them. If they're able to navigate using things like FaceTime, that's great. If you, you know, want to stand at the, if if they are capable of getting to a window, like maybe in the game room or the front, you know, area and and the nursing home administrative staff will let you visit that way, consider visiting from outside the building looking in. It is not ideal but it may help people manage through a difficult time if you're restricted from going in. 
Right. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I think you're just, if, have that's, to... if that is... Go ahead, Tara. Well, I was just going to say, you know, a lot of these things are are, are going to be dependent on the the cooperation and the willingness of the facility, right? Um, right, right. It's not it's not a one size fit. It's a bit. I I think you know my experience when I had a nursing home practice. Most people in those facilities are good, caring people. They want to help, and. I, they're just as aware of the difficulties of this, you know, as you are. And um, mm-hmm. I hope most people get the compassion and the help they need to stay connected. Yeah, absolutely. So at home, you turn on the TV, you turn on your computer. It is everywhere. <laughs> um, so how do we keep yeah. our loved ones calm with all the news and it in your face, you know, constantly? You know, it's, it's funny too because you know we're we're trying to target folks, you know, who who are on an HD journey. But you know, this applies to the care partners too. Turning Absolutely, on and watching yes. the news and listening to the litany of this is it increases everyone's anxiety. It, it, whether you've got yeah. HD or you're a care partner, or whatever, it increases all of our anxiety. You know, as much as right. you can, I would restrict not only you. But your the care partner too the the, the folks with the Huntington's but try if you're a news junkie and you have to tune in limit it get the headlines and then turn it off because it, it that's a um, I, I get wanting to stay informed you know don't stream it on your phone don't sit there and watch Apple News all day I it, it right. does there's no question being around that constant information increases your anxiety you know. Um, Katie, you had a great idea that you were sharing earlier about, you know, when um, um, you're, one of the things that was really helpful, what, well, actually, why don't you share it? What was helpful for Mike that the TV was really important to him and you found certain things yeah. that were comforting to him? Yeah, so I think with Mike it was it was kind of um, – the, the ongoing joke with the family and there was even t-shirts bought during Christmas of the golden girls um, uh, for him. <laughs> he really liked like the golden girls. He really liked I love Lucy. He really liked the Andy Griffith show. And, and I think he, he found comfort in that because those shows are very comforting there. There's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of, there's not violence. There's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, um, you can follow it very easy. Um, it's usually there's a usually a sense of humor that is into it, um, and I, Mike really enjoyed those shows, and I enjoyed watching them with him. Um, so I think that that was really good for us. Um, and and obviously we weren't in a crisis like this when he was in the facility, but uh, him and I would watch these kind of shows on more like TV land um, that weren't violent and they weren't chaotic. They were, they were simple and they were easy to follow and they were, they were fun to watch. Um, that brought us both calmness. So. Oh, I think that's such a great strategy. You know, what we're really talking about is diversion, diverting from the, you know, horrible news to something that is uplifting. And, um, yeah. you know, when you say that, it's like, uh, and so, you know, the, for people who can stream things, that is going to be very easy to do. If you don't have the technology for streaming, think of other things that you know that person enjoys that brings them joy, whether, you know, it, it's music or whether it's 
other channels that they enjoy. I, I would just totally avoid um, television things that activate people. I, I don't think any of us need it. Yeah, I agree. So kind of the same idea um, on the, around the same lines. How do we keep perseveration about the virus and the fears to a minimum with our loved ones? Well, that's a really good question. So, you know, perseveration is actually um, a lot of people with Huntington's experiences, and it, it's, it's actually a medical thing. You know, they're not doing it on purpose. They're not doing it to annoy you. They get stuck in a loop, and they can't cut the loop. Right. So you, as a care partner, you really can't control it. I'm just telling you, you really you can't turn it on or turn it off or make them stop doing that. They, you may make them stop telling you about it, um, but they, right. they can't help it. They simply cannot help it. So perseveration can take, you know, a lot of forms. And right now what we're worried about is, you know, perseverating about the virus. And so I would combat it. You know, don't create the expectation as a care partner. Don't create the expectation for yourself that you can get rid of it. Just don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. It, it isn't going to help you. But, you know, try redirection. And the other is I would, if somebody is looping about that, you know, get them involved, you know, start another subject or bring them into another room or, you know, get them, try to divert them to another topic. The other thing is, is if they're in the place where they still can be engaged in what's happening in society, one of the things you could consider doing is, um, well, I think one of the things also that's important for all of us for all of us is having factual information is, mm -hmm. you know, you can listen to all the, you know, the, the news, bless our heart. Thank heavens that the news is here to tell us what's going on. But re remember they want headlines they are grabbing headlines. So the dramatic stuff gets the first uh, attention, you know, right now it, we're looking at numbers, you know, 95 to 98% of people recover from this. They recover from it. We're hearing about the worst-case scenarios, and we should, because as a nation, we have to prepare for it. But look for the factual information to try to comfort people and just deal with the facts only. Forget about all the other noise. And I mean that for not, you know, that's good advice not only for the person who has HD, but that's true for the person who's the care partner. Because you as the care partner, the more anxious you are, the more anxious they're going to be. Not because you're doing it on purpose, but because they mimic you. You're their lifeline, right. and they're going to mimic you. Right. So that's important information for you as well. Don't let it overwhelm you. And it, if you're calm and matter-of-fact about things, that is going to transmit easier and help you with, you know, the perseveration thing of the person that you're caring for. Right. Well, what are some things, Terry, that we can do to keep our loved ones active uh, trying to bring down uh, behaviors? Yeah, you know, so this is no different than the other things that you do for the behaviors that you try to manage. Um, it, it's, again, this is kind of dependent upon if you're a in-home care person with your partner or if they're home alone during the day. Remember, you know, <laughs> You probably hear this in, in a lot of your, you know, clinical visits, routine, 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 routine. But for somebody with Huntington's, mm -hmm. that is so true. 
because the routine is their world is changing, their perceptions are changing, their abilities are changing. Having that lifeline of routine is so important to them. And so if you can maintain your routine, you help with their anxiety, you help with, you know, you help them manage all those things. Now, I, I think the most vulnerable ones are the people who are at home alone during the day. Because we all know yeah. you can leave a little list for them, you know, you know, ABC, here's your list for the day. And that may or may not do anything for them because that get up and go switch, not because they're ignoring the list. They're not ignoring the list. The get up and go, that initiation, their get up and go switch doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so yeah. that's why I think the HD community, the folks who are in that mid-stage are a little more vulnerable right now in trying to stay home. So we all know that it's someone with HD whose initiation switch isn't working, who, you know, might perseverate. It's you have more success by saying, let's go do this together. Let's go for a walk. You know, here's your tennis shoes. Let's go out for a walk. Then to say, I'm going to work and, um, you know, you should go for a walk today. You know, that's probably, and it isn't, you know, bless, Bless the people's heart who are care partners and working outside of the home. That is so, so, so difficult. So please, please do not take this as a sense of guilt at all. I'm just outlining those scenarios. I, w- I want to outline them for you because now is the time to ask for help. Ask someone oh, yeah. to help you. If yeah. you're one of those person, people who are trying to juggle all those balls, which is so, so hard, ask people for help because your HD yeah. loved one will manage this a whole lot better if they have a lifeline and you can't be that lucky. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, this kind of goes into the same thing about going for a a walk and saying, let's go together. Um, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people are freaking Mm -hmm. out because they don't have hand sanitizer, (laughs) right? Um, We see this all over. I don't have hand sanitizer, Um, but I want my loved one to keep washing their hands. So, um, So what are some ideas for that? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, you know okay, we, we all got caught up on hand sanitizer. If you have it, it's a good thing, yep. but a lot of people don't. Soap and water. Um, you, I, all the yep. medical experts have been saying, if you scrub your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds, that's just as good. So don't freak yep. out. And, you know, I, I think also if you don't want to use bar soap or you don't want to use foam soap, what, use dishwashing liquid. So there are alternatives to hand sanitizer. Don't freak out if you don't have it. It is the friction and activity of scrubbing your hands that is the single most helpful thing. So, you know, he, this, this falls, Katie, in the same kind of thing with not making a list and expecting them to follow it per se. If you want them to wash your hands, you wash your hands. To say, hey, time mm-hmm. for us to go wash our hands. Let's do this together. Gets a better response than just saying, make sure you wash your hands every hour, okay? So, you know, it, it, I, I know it's not that simplistic, but it won't be perfect. It won't be perfect. So do the best you can. with If, if they never wash their hands, you get them to do it three times a day, that's better. And remember, if they're staying home, if they're under quarantine like we are, they don't have to be washing their hands every hour because they're not going out where germs are. And um, But if somebody else is sick in the house, then, yeah, if someone else is sick in the house, then, yes, you better be washing more frequently. But 
um, our exposure of needing to sanitize and wash our hands is most extreme when we're out in public and or caring for someone who may have coronavirus at home. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you're, it, you know, it, it's reasonable risk, not unmanageable risk. Right. So I think and don't worry about the most single. Yeah. <laughs> the freak out of sanitizer. Um, I think yeah. this is probably the most important question out of everything that I'm going to ask Jay in my mind um, is should we pick up extra medication at this time? And what happens if we run out of medicine? Good questions. Absolutely get more medication right now. I think your health providers are going to understand this. Check your bottles to see what kind of refills you have. If you have zero refills or one refill, call now. Call today. And mm-hmm. let you know, let sometimes it has to filter through your prescribers. You know, um, it is it, it, people are recommending getting the health professionals recommending getting three to six month supplies. I don't think no people aren't going to run out of those medications. Um, it's just prudent mm-hmm. to have it and jump ahead of the game because you don't want to run out, especially if you're on a medication for depression, you're a medication for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're treating psychiatric features, you do not want to run out. So be proactive, yes. check your bottles, get refills now. And um, if you run out of medication, you really have no alternative other than to call your provider and, you know, try to make, you know, put a call into your provider because you can't get it otherwise. So right. um, <laughs> if, if you're listening to the show, Check your bottles, but if you know people who didn't listen to the show, call them. Tell them to check their bottles. <laughs> Maybe check we their can bottles, spread refills. the word through the community, right? And um, yeah, um, and and uh, you know, I think the pharmacies are going to you know relax on this. But if your provider says fill this, the pharmacies will fill it, even if you just had a refill last month. If the provider puts in a new order, they will fill it, and. Uh, I think people understand what's going on now. You don't have to stockpile. So having enough, you know, for right. three to six months is not stockpiling. Here's another really important safety feature. If your person with Huntington's is taking any kind of psychotropic medication that they can't safely administer, you lock that up. So we're saying, yeah, you know, get a, you know, make sure you have enough refills, make sure you have enough medication. But if this, this is someone you're afraid of their behavior in terms of managing their own medication, lock it up. Do not give yeah. someone who has a lot of depression and or has had suicide ideation access to three or four months worth of pills. Don't do it. You simply have to sure. be smart and prudent about it. Um, yeah. And make sure that you have enough, but you don't put your loved one at any increased risk. behavior. And it's okay to lock medicine up, by the way. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So what about clinic visits? Should people be going to their clinic visits, their HD clinic visits? I think that's, you know, I think that's a case by case, right? I think if things are stable, you don't need any medication refills. Um, It was just a checkup. I think it's okay to call your facility and say, hey, could we put this out a few months? Um, in, in Huntington, you know, the Huntington's providers are not necessarily the front line of treating the critically ill people in the hospital, although the doctors can be because, you know, um, 
you know, doctors have to do hospital rounds and things like that. So um, um, I think it's okay to delay it as long as you have the things you need, as long as you have enough refills, and as long as things are stable. But don't feel like you have to spare them, okay? If you need their time and attention, then go to your appointment. Um, because that's it, that's your time with your providing team or your provider. You don't have to spare them just because you don't have the virus. The health system is, right. you know, they, you know, they recognize that they have a whole host of people they have to care for other than just people who may be experiencing symptoms of the virus. So, you know, just be prudent. Use your own judgment, and it, it's okay if you need to keep it. It is totally okay. Don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. Um, and if you would prefer not to, that's your choice. Yeah. And I know, I know um, I called on you many times through um, my journey, <laughs> many, many times mm-hmm. in the clinic. Um, and because Mike's anxiety and Mike's depression did increase as the disease progressed, mm-hmm. that was our, that was our challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were many times I had to call you and, and say, you know, Terry, I'm having problems with an increase in depression or anxiety in Mike, and, and you would have to do med adjustments. Um, the team would have to do med adjustments for us. Um, I think if people, and, I, and this, this is just from my experience, but I, but I want your opinion too, if people are starting to see an increase in anxiety and depression, maybe because of the world we live in or maybe just because of HD or something going on, um, what, what should they do? Please, please, please reach out to your prescribers. You know, Katie, that's a really important point is that even if it's just temporary and situational based upon all the anxiety and stuff that um, is going on, any time that you notice a change, an increased depression, increase in anxiety, any time you see a change in those you know, psychiatric or even behavioral features in Huntington's, please reach out to your team. You know, I, I used to say better living through chemistry. Medications, we can't always, we can't change the features that Huntington's presents. We, you know, we can't, we can't change that yet. But we can successfully treat the psychiatric and behavioral symptoms. The, our medicines work good on these features. So don't hesitate to reach out to them. You're not overburdening them. You're not being, <laughs> you know, and if it, it, right. it, it is, it, that's what your care team is there for. And I just want to say, you know, Katie, we've traveled across the country talking to families, and I know that there are families who get really great care and then other people who kind of have to fight for care. And I'm so, you know, first of all, I'm so sorry, and it never should be that way. Um, however, you know what? No one will be as powerful advocate for your HD loved one as you. And if you, yeah. you know, it just be persistent that don't put up with a situation. Don't put up with trying to manage that stuff all by yourself. Um, Even if you aren't getting the help that you deserve and you need, kindly persist, kindly persist. Mm -hmm. And um, because they're, they, you know, things don't stay static in Huntington's things change. You don't need me to tell you that you all know that. Things don't stay static, so that means 
we have to navigate that trajectory too. And um, um, you have a right to good care no matter where you live. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so so much of our medical um, kind of field is changing right now dramatically and fast for what's going on in the world. So it may be something as simple as a phone call or a quick telemedicine, a quick you know, telemedicine uh, kind of thing. It may not be you having to go into the clinic. So definitely don't, I would say, do not avoid contacting your provider because you're afraid that you're going to have to go into a medical facility because you may not. It may be a phone call. That's right. That's it exactly. The times we're living. um, Yeah. Yep. And I think that, you know, providers understand that too. And, uh, you know, if you haven't been seen for a year, and you need medication yeah. changes, well, you're probably going to have to be seen. You know, a year's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And, um, um, but, you know, if you were just there six months ago and, you know, and that, and you're well known to that provider, it may be as easy as some kind of adjustment over the phone. Yeah, yeah. So final question, Terry, and thank you so much for doing this uh, for us and answering these questions, um, these very important questions. What should we do if there's a psychiatric emergency in the home and we were told to avoid hospitals right now because of the virus? (laughs) So, Katie, you you kind of defined it um, by asking the question, and the, the key word in that sentence is emergency. An emergency is an emergency no matter what. And a psychiatric emergency is just as compelling as any other type of emergency. So if it is a psychiatric emergency where someone is a danger to themselves or others, that is a 911 call, no matter whether there's coronavirus or not. That is a 911 call if they're in imminent danger of themselves to, or, or, or each other. That goes without saying. Short of that, you know, I I always encouraged, you know, when I was talking to folks on the line, I always encouraged people not to take chances. If somebody is exhibiting behaviors or, or tempers or whatever that scare you, say like, you know, they, you know, it hasn't catapulted to an imminent danger, but it scares you, you shouldn't be scared. And I do think an emergency room visit is appropriate for you. You know, emergency rooms react all differently. Here's the um, here's here's the um, you know, emergency rooms right now are filled with really sick people. So <laughs> you have to use your judgment on whether you want that kind of exposure. Um, but if it is something that is unmanageable, never put yourself in harm's way. Reach out to, you know, we've always encouraged people, you know, Katie, when we go around and talk, to have kind of a safety toolkit. And one of those safety toolkits is a backup plan. People identified in your life who can come in and help you if there's an unmanageable situation. And, again, this is short of somebody being a danger, right? Um, Right. You know, maybe it's just some temper outbursts or whatever. So, um if it doesn't quite meet the emergency threshold, reach out to your team, reach out to that safety net group of people. It may be a medication change can help you, um, but um, n- never 
be fearful to contact people to help you with this, even if there is, you know, coronavirus. And the bottom line is, yes, emergency rooms are facing something they've never had to before, but that doesn't mean the rest of society and all of its complications and difficulties have ceased to exist. They haven't. Sure. So you still deserve good care. You know, one of the things we tried to find um, out before we came live on the show, um, back in 2017, um, HDSA received a grant from Teva to do a call uh, uh, to to sponsor some people um, for a psychiatric consultation via the phone. So there's a company called right. Amwell.com that does online um, uh, behavioral and psychiatric uh, consults for a wide variety of things. This was not Huntington specific. Um, it's unclear whether HDSA still funds that program, and you have to have insurance, private insurance, to participate in that. And I got on their website. Mm-hmm. It looks like it was not covered by Medicare or Medi-Cal, Medicaid. So um, right. if your loved one has those features, that's probably not an option for you. But if you still have private insurance, I think it would be worth emailing or calling into HDSA to see if they still sponsor that program. Or if your insurance right. is listed on that uh, page and you know that your insurance would cover it. So um, that may be an additional resource um, for some people who may not have access to a full HD team. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. If it's an emergency, right. you guys, it's an emergency. Yeah. Yep. Mm, call 911, yes. Um, all right, well, I think we can wrap the show. Um, thank you so much, Terry, for coming on and answering uh, these questions. I know we are going to have more. Um, so as we uh, continue on this journey that we're living, we will address as much as we can um, and use the radio show really as a um, tool for us, a platform for us to deliver information very fast. Um, Health HD uh, has this great, uh, great kind of platform we've built that it can be nimble, it can be fast, it can change, we can pre-record. There's so much we can do um, with uh, Health HD Live. So we right now are going to be using this um, as a portal for us to communicate with our community and bring as much information um, as we can. Our next show that we're focusing on, we're going to be talking about clinical trials. If you're participating in a clinical trial, what does that mean in these times? Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of questions that we have um, that community are asking that we have listed. We've reached out um, to a lot of our um, our HD experts um, and some of our clinical trial uh, PIs and sponsors to come in and maybe help us answer some of these questions um, on what's happening. So, Please stay up to date. Uh, subscribe through our website and uh, follow us on, uh, uh, you know, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, all these different things uh, that we can do that we're shooting out this information um, to let you guys know when people are coming on and they are going to be updating us um, and answering some of our questions. So I think that is all for now. Everyone knows that um, Sacramento and Michigan were postponed and canceled. We're going to go virtual um, with Michigan. um, That was set on the PSA that was released last night. Um, And so stay tuned for the rest of our live events. But for now, uh, we will continue virtually supporting our community and also um, 
please stay safe and uh, stay well and take care of each other. Remember, during this time of panic, our community needs us. Keep supporting as we always do, and always please remember to stay kind. Um, we have a lot going on in the world, and um, our community needs to come together and, and support each other through it. All right, everyone take care. Thank you so much, Terry, and until we talk again. Thank you.